Welcome to Frontline Voices on Disaster Response, sponsored by Verizon. My name is Travis Houston. I'm the Assistant Emergency Management Coordinator for the City of Dallas Office of Emergency Management. Well, Travis, thanks again for joining us. Um, we're taking a look at how certain jurisdictions around the country work with FEMA on certain types of natural disasters. And uh, we're looking at several things, including power failures. And I know that uh, in Texas, there's been some issues with that um, in the not-too-distant uh, past. And the first thing I'd like to ask is, how does Dallas work with state and federal partners to prepare for problems like power failures? Sure. Uh, so we work really closely with our state and federal partners. I would say primarily on the on the front end, on the preparedness side, uh, we work with the state a lot more, uh, especially in, in regards specifically to, you know, power infrastructure. Uh, we're, we're thinking about critical infrastructure and sharing that information up, uh, both with our power providers, our state partners, et cetera, um, so that if there are, you know, like in that instance in uh 2021 in Winterstorm Landon, you know, there were these rolling blackouts and we needed to make sure that our critical infrastructure, fire stations, hospitals, police substations uh, remained online. Um, so that's a lot of the preparation on the front end, uh, you know, as well as the, the other planning stuff. So making sure that we have supplies ready to go, um, cots in stock to open up warming centers or, or overnight shelters, uh, you know, food and water to distribute. Um, there are individuals that we had to do that for. In fact, we had a, a huge water distribution operation after that. Uh, and then FEMA, you know, for us, it's it's mostly on on the back end on the recovery side. Uh, you know, that yeah. was a, the specific instance, you know, was was the winter storm landing. And, and so we worked with them, you know, on public assistance. Yeah. So, what was it like going through that? What was it like when it hit and it started? I imagine it probably a lot of people were confused and they were wondering what was going on. What was it like uh, to go through that? Uh, challenging, to say the least. Um, you know, it was it was a major challenge. Uh, North Texas is not uh, a stranger to ice storms. It's a known hazard. It's something we've dealt with. I mean, actually, you know, we've we've had three ice related incidents just in the last month and and so you know going into that it was a forecast storm and we we had seen the forecast that it was going to be really cold temperatures abnormally cold temperatures um and so in our heads we're thinking about you know all of the normal things that, that come with that ice storm thing and it's a lot of transportation related things it's a lot of you know the power outages are common but they're almost always caused uh, less by rolling blackouts at the you know power grid level mm -hmm. um, and more impacts from ice on you know foliage and uh, power lines that cause kind of smaller localized power outages mm -hmm. so going into the event that's sort of the mindset that we we had and quickly uh, that turned into a much much larger scale issue with the power grid and so during that event, um, it challenged a lot of planning assumptions. Uh, it was a, a new challenge in, in that the communication for, from uh, ERCOT, which is the electric, uh, 
Reliability Council of Texas that actually kind of runs and manages the grid um, was often a little confusing and and didn't necessarily feel clear. So it created a, you know, a, a major communication challenge for us to our residents and trying to understand where the blackouts are going to happen, why they're happening, how long they're going to happen. Uh, and, you know, we couldn't even necessarily uh, open uh, like recreation centers for, for warming shelters, for example, yeah. uh, because we just didn't know if we open this center, send a bunch of people there, and then the power goes out there for 36 hours. Now we have another problem. They would have been better off probably just staying at their house. That's true. So, it was a major challenge uh, for everyone in Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, it also presented a unique uh, issue where virtually the entire state was impacted at once. Uh, you know, Texas is not, you know, unfamiliar with with regional disasters, with large scale disasters, especially on the coast, big hurricanes and, and things of that nature. But very rarely uh, do we see disasters that affect basically the entire state at one time. Um, And that challenged a lot of, uh, you know, our basic planning assumptions. So what key lessons did you learn as a result of this ice storm landing? uh, And what have you been working on since then based on those lessons learned? So uh, first lesson is to communicate uh, good information clearly and aggressively as early as possible. Um, especially with the multi-day outages, you know, the all of the primary methods that you would normally get information to people, their cell phones, through social media, traditional media, um, you know, if, if they didn't have power, they didn't have access to that information anymore. And so it became, like I mentioned, a, a big challenge. And so, you know, now um, we would much earlier probably utilize the wireless emergency alert system to get out information about where warming shelters will be. Um, If we, you know, we utilize charter buses as mobile warming shelters in the last event, we would continue that um, so we can get to very specific areas of need and communicate that information. The other thing is having more redundant power at our recreation centers, which are primarily what we use as community warming centers. So we have eight generators being installed at at eight different recreation centers. And then we have another eight uh, mobile, basically, you know, HVAC systems that come with a generator that, especially when we have, you know, a couple of days notice that we're gonna have really severe weather, we can get it out to a pre-identified location, uh, have it set up so that if it does lose power, we're at least still able to have basic electricity and heat. Uh, And then that also gives us the ability to pre-communicate uh, that that service would be available there. Mm-hmm. So how does relationships with your neighbors in neighboring jurisdictions figure into this? Um, talk, about, talk about the importance of relationships with your neighbors in a situation like this. So, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about everyone's in it at once, right? So, you know, DFW is obviously a huge metropolitan area. I think we're the fourth largest metropolitan area in the country. So we have this big urban sprawl and there are a lot of jurisdictions uh, surrounding us. And so there are a lot of, you know, emergency managers. The benefit of that is that allows everyone to have a great support system uh, during disasters. And then, you know, even more than we necessarily 
uh, plan with anyone else, we're planning with each other, right? Because it's it's uh, it's very common for a disaster in in North Texas to occur in multiple jurisdictions because we're all kind of packed in together. So those relationships are are hugely important. We have regional teams. Uh, one of them is the Public Works Emergency Response Team that plays a huge role in a lot of responses where uh, regionally we have caches of, of equipment that we can get brought in and, and support one another through mutual aid. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Now in the ice storm, again, it was a little more challenging than normal because everyone was, was experiencing the same challenges basically. Yeah. I would imagine the private sector and your private sector partners played a big role in dealing with this too, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, our, our biggest private sector partner that played a role in this was Encore. So that's our electricity service provider, right? They own all the, the actual electricity uh, lines and that infrastructure. Um, it was a little bit of a unique situation, whereas in a normalized storm, um, the causes of the power outages were, would most often be their infrastructure going down. In this instance, it was this kind of higher level grid wide issue, mm -hmm. but they still were are a, a huge factor in communicating, you know, as best we could, um, what locations we needed to stay online the most, you know, if we were opening up warming centers somewhere or things like that, trying to make sure that that location um, could remain with power. Yeah. And, and yeah, so that, that was probably the biggest private sector partner during that event. And Talk about the importance of the public in dealing with problems like this. I mean, getting them prepared for things and getting them to cooperate during disasters is, is paramount in importance. But give us a sense of um, uh, how you work that out. So, you know, the, the public is hugely important in these types of events because, you know, uh, a, a better prepared public, you know, uh, mitigate some of the impacts of this, right? You know, um, individuals that had the capability, you know, they're individuals with uh, generators or even just as simple as, you know, the, the power bricks for charging your phone, those types of things uh, really made a big difference. Having, um, you know, a, a few days supply of water on hand, a lot of people's water pipes burst and they didn't have access to water. You know, so having that uh, ready to go is huge. So, you know, personal preparedness is, is a huge piece of that. And uh, we also saw a lot of neighbors helping neighbors, which, which is huge, especially when you have an event where, you know, travel is, is impacted. Uh, the, the, the community itself within these neighborhoods, within their, you know, like walkable distance, basically, uh, their support of one another is a major factor in this. Um, mm -hmm. And I can say, you know, you know, we had major water distribution efforts. And during that, you know, I was at one site and members from the neighborhood were just walking up saying, hey, what can I do to help? You know, and it's like, all right, help me put some water in the back of this person's truck. And, and it, uh, it was great. OK, um, one last thing I'd like to ask you, um, as you move forward into the future, what kinds of power issues or issues connected to power and, you know, that kind of resource, uh, are you looking at improving or dealing with issues that have taken place that you know are problematic? How are you uh, looking at that and uh, adjusting 
in that in that in that regard in the future for the future so uh, a good example of that is is again redundant power so identifying those critical facilities and making sure and expanding i think the definition of what a critical facility is from beyond the uh you know water distribution facilities and fire stations etc to the recreation centers the libraries places that that we rely on as as facilities to assist people when we do have these types of incidents and then just the recognition that uh you know, as we continue to become more reliant on technology, all of that has to be powered. And so constantly looking at and identifying um, where is the risk in, in our, you know, most critical pieces of infrastructure and what can we do to mitigate that risk? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we hope that we don't see another event like we saw in 2021 again. I, you know, people kept talking about that being a once in a lifetime event. I hope it was, uh, but I'd be a bad emergency manager if I just assumed it was. So, yeah. you know, our assumption is that that's something we could see again in the future and we want to be prepared for it. Well, Travis, um, thank you for taking time to chat. Is there anything you want to add that you think is important that I haven't asked about? I don't know that there's anything specific, um, Okay. you know, other than the fact that that both COVID-19 and the, the fail, you know, near failure of the, of the Texas power grid during that event were two uh, disasters that were so widespread that it challenged the kind of basic uh, process of emergency management where when a local jurisdiction's resources are overwhelmed, it goes to the county and then the region and then the state and then the feds. Um, when the nature of the event means that all of those individuals are being affected at once, uh, it, it makes it really challenging. So I think we, you know, in the emergency management community need to be thinking about uh, these widespread events um, that make that process a lot more challenging. All right. Travis Houston, we thank you very much for your time and your expertise and um, look forward to uh, staying in touch, perhaps. And uh, certainly if anything like that happens again, we'll be sure to touch base with you to see how things are going. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Frontline Voices on Disaster Response, sponsored by Verizon on WTOP. 